Hello. <laughs> it is a Thursday in March. It is raining and I found a way to peel myself up out of bed today to communion with you all. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Threadings, the newsletter and podcast where we discuss black feminism and love studies and the other things keeping and collecting me. Spring has sprung. Happy New Year. I am thawing out. It is slow and painstaking. The feeling is just coming back into my hands. It's glorious and exhausting all at once. I am tired, but I'm happy to be here. I have for you today a one take reading of my essay entitled Love Studies and Black Feminism, My Study of Self, which is an essay designed to usher in season two of Threadings with notes on the orbit of my personhood. I know that all sounds very abstract, but I promise that we'll break it down bit by bit. As always, these are one-take readings, meaning I do not go back and edit. I read them once all the way through, so if I mess up, I mess up, and that's just the human in us. Here we go. An essay once entitled, How Do I Love Myself? But I didn't know what I meant by love, so first I sounded out. Right now, as of 24 years old, I am relearning to love myself. There's a picture of me here making a fish face at the camera. If you're not on the newsletter portion of this newsletter and podcast, get hip. <laughs> love myself, by which I mean, love is the feeling that compels you to action and the action itself. Love is both the urge taking hold in your corporal body and your metaphysical psyche that moves you towards somebody's highest good. Love is then also the results of that inclination. Love is the feeling that compels you to act and love is the act itself. To be in the feeling love and to remain inactive is then to bathe in the warm waters of communion and soak there and get all good and scrubbed and then refuse to get out of the bath. You will never really get the full effect of the baptism if you don't get up. The business of loving, as I understand it, is personal. It is practical. It is an element of the present that reaches to the past and future seamlessly. We cannot talk about love and be unchanged. If I am to be a student, a disciple of love, I have to first start with a strong inventory of self. I find it so much easier to love what it is that I know. Love for myself is what I feel on the grand scale, the I want you to bud and flourish scale, the dust the world with pollen scale, the bitch, get it together bitch scale, citing Jay Sullivan. Love is what I felt at 23 when I would inhale my aura flickering in yellow decay and billow out something more wearable for the day, like maybe a pastel blue and see my seven-year-old self blinking back at me in pride that I got this far. The love that compelled me to action was then peace-seeking, and it was self-saving, and it entertained the idea that we might live until old age for the very first time, 23. I am here now at 24, really 24 and a half, <laughs> with smaller kinds of love, the kinds that do the dishes before bed at night because then we'll wake up smiling, and I sigh in delight when we smile like that. I have stronger ideas about what I owe to the teeny me's that brought me here. Each day has a love that is less about the grandiose hero work of saving my own life and more like the little kindnesses and the stewardships that I can create of my day. I love small and I love more often. I love myself enough to run to my journal again. Archival remains one of my most favorite love languages, 
cite to Courtney Futch, host of With Love and Butter podcast, Love Her Down. Most especially because it must be said, I write in public after many years of writing private because I am publishing what 15-year-old me wished we were reading about. She would have wanted to learn from an adult person who was honest about what they did and did not know. And my life is in flux and in constant forward momentum. So here is briefly what I know. One, I have begun to relish my own company again. Two, I like myself. Three, it is easy for me to love myself when I like myself. Four, the stretch and stress of 23 and 22 were backwards. Do you know yourself well enough to be justified in all of your self-loathing? And can you love yourself in servitude even if you do not like yourself in your current state? The answers to those questions were no and no, but we did get there. I consider myself precious enough to document And I'm doing so in public because I think learning in public is valuable and rare. And I think reading and listening in public is valuable and rare. And I learn a lot from treating myself like a coming-of-age story in real time. In an effort to continue these habits, we enter into this threadings season two, a study of self. For the next season of Life or Soul, I want to ask the following questions. What does it mean to have love as a politic? And what is love? Where do black feminism and black futures come in to thread things together? Where are black feminism and love the same thing? What else are we, my many selves, made out of? And what are we kept together by? This is my first attempt to answer some of these questions and relate love studies and black feminism directly. I'm going to tell you about the first couple times love turned me out like a peony. Part one entitled Pablo Neruda. This man is the reason I took Spanish in high school. I will never forget the bulb that burst in my chest when I stumbled upon Pinterest poetry as an early teen. Pinterest loves some Pablo Neruda. I didn't find out he was a revolutionary until my first year of college, but of course he was. Look at the way he wrote about love. I do not love you as if you were salt rose or topaz or the arrow of carnations that fire shoots off. I love you as certain dark things are meant to be loved, in secret, between the shadow and the soul. I love you as the plant that never blooms, but carries in itself the light of hidden flowers. Thanks to your love, a certain solid fragrance risen from the earth lives darkly in my body. I love you without knowing how or when or from where. I love you straightforwardly without complexities or pride. So I love you because I know no other way than this, where I does not exist, nor you. So close that your hand on my chest is my hand. So close that your eyes close as I fall asleep. Sonnet 17, I do not love you. Sonnet 17 was the first time I believed someone when they assured me that intimacy is something you can taste. It was a moment where I understood the thesis of my life to be poetry. 
This poem was one of the first times I felt vindicated in my obsessive needs to get words exactly right so I could make someone feel the phrase so close that your hand on my chest is my hand swell up and tumble in their mouth and come to the same conclusions that I did, that he must have had writing this, that intimacy is something that swells up like warm bread. Intimacy is something that you can taste. The idea that words can get you this close, that close, intoxicates me. Close up like the rise and the fall of your chest, our chest. Your eyes close as I fall asleep. Poetry was one of the, word, the first ways I learned to love myself, and two things happened with this poem at once. At seven years old, I found out that I liked poems. <laughs> and that moment was brought to germination seven years later reading this and determining the only place that I felt this kind of intimacy, the intimacy that dissolves distinction, was when I was wrapped up in words being born into the world, poetry. Poetry and I were destined to be together. Part two, Kambahi River Collective and Identity Politics. There were many, many times. I loved theory before this, but for some reason, this text like dog earmarked me on this random day in college. If you would like to read the full thing, it is linked in the newsletter portion of the newsletter and podcast. The Kambahi River Collective Statement is a statement I've written on and spoken about in other essays, in podcast episodes, and on YouTube, coming to you again soon, because it's foundational to my understanding of self. Circulated in 1977, the Kambahi River Collective Statement served as the manifesto for the Kambahi River Collective, a black lesbian socialist political organization based in Boston. It's widely credited for having formally introduced the concept of identity politics, but I don't know that even the authors would take full credit for that. I think the text does a wonder-working job of taking what my bones say to me each every day, each and every day of this world, and then stating it in clear and plain English. Three of my favorite excerpts are below. Contemporary black feminism is the outgrowth of many generations of personal sacrifice, militancy, and work by our mothers and sisters. The acknowledgement that black feminism is not proprietary to one or two or a couple coining founding people was a small revolution for me. Jennifer Nash also discusses this in Black Feminism Reimagined after intersectionality if you wanted further reading and deeper reading. But this, just the sentiment alone highlights this unending desire to coin and to own and to gatekeep theory, but that actually serves us in terms of getting paid, it serves us in terms of being credited for cultural contributions to academy. However, black feminism itself is not something that some one person owns or generates. It's the outpouring of generations of nameless, faceless, working, militant, loving mothers and sisters. It is the outgrowth of many individual epiphanies, conversations in community, quilts stitched and work done by mothers and sisters and great mothers and great sisters. The idea that I am a thread in a tapestry was a homing beacon for me. I am exactly as small as I think that I am and I rest in that. Another excerpt. Black feminism 
often, or sorry, black feminists often talk about their feelings of craziness before com- becoming conscious of the concepts of sexual politics, of patriarchal rule, and most importantly, feminism, the political analysis we women use to struggle against our own oppression. I did feel nuts. I absolutely felt nuts. You really do have to be a little bit nuts in order to prioritize community and life in this world. You have to be willing to sacrifice your own comfort or sleep or work for the wellness of your friend. You have to create consistency and dedication where there is no obligation. Black women stitching each other together in this world gets us nothing but solace in one another and that has to be worth it for you, that has to be enough for you. This world will make you feel nuts for thinking that we are worth it. Black women are inherently valuable and our liberation is a necessity not as an adjunct to somebody else's but because of the need as human persons for autonomy. That's from the text. Black feminism is an assertion of enough, that we, finite and fleeting, are enough to want each other and find wholeness, are enough to want, pull on, wear, bed, lie with, gift each other, small morsels of freedom. This is where the idea that the personal is political came from, especially impactful for me in college where I was only able to speak about experience as if it was attached to academic citations. I could, it wasn't enough for me to just wade in the world and report what I felt and saw and experienced. There always had to be a paper that was previously published to back up that knowledge. The hierarchy of knowledge was chaining intellectually. So this idea, this idea that I alone am enough to compel action was a first for me. I can do the things that I need to do in this world because I need them and that is enough. That was the place I came to feel that honoring an act of politic was an act of self-love. When I say my politic is alive and she will kill me, I mean that one of the greatest acts of love I've committed in my own name was the tethering of myself to a future where the Negro can breathe. Because I am young, I have to think on my feet. Militancy alone cannot save us, especially in the constant surveillance of the empire and with their insane amount of weaponry. How do we caretake one another without going to war or while navigating war with the promise of violence 25 years away, five minutes ago, just outside our doorstep next week? I have taken up a politic of love to remind myself that there is more than one way to get free. And if I am to have love as an act of politic, I must commit myself to the discipline of exploration, of finding ways to love myself that I have not yet before. How do I love myself if I am to be a thread in the tapestry? How best do I love someone that is both part of a whole and whole in essence? I would love answers in the comments about that. If you're on the Substack, I do love to discuss with you all, and I'm still wheedling, the, I'm still wheedling this one out myself. Part three, the garden space, and briefly, Zoro Nail Hurston, or my body is the land is a body. The following is an excerpt from the garden space, the first essay of the first iteration of this newsletter and podcast. The summer I turned 14, I found self-exploration waiting for me in a red and white speckled notebook. 
I was living with my father in Lakewood, Colorado in this old house and enjoying these last bits of childhood, elongating and ripening into something deeper and sweeter and more graceful. I cannot express how deeply in community I was with that space. The house that was built in the 1950s and facing what was essentially a mild Colorado wood was this home place for me, this place of keeping. One of the laborers left their Christmas lights up all year round and lit them every single night. There was a kooky white man as the next door neighbor who wandered in and spoke to us about whatever time his dementia had settled in him that day. Foxes raised their young in the abandoned shed across the school and you could always see the babies playing with each other at sunset. It was a place to grow unencumbered. Light stretched until 10 p.m. and so did I. Every day, one of my chores was to water the foliage in the backyard. I was not a stranger to dirt. This is not the story of a city kid who encountered soil for the first time one summer with her estranged father. <laughs> I grew up gardening with my grandmother, who grew up gardening with hers. And I did most of my reading in the trees as it was. Soil in my hands always felt like a grand return to self. This particular summer, I spent a lot of time toting a water cam. I could see bits of myself in the foliage of the home the longer we spent looking at each other. The longer we spent looking at each other, the more I looked like this house, the more this house looked like me. Eventually, when I reached inside myself one day and pulled out something to put on a page, I found bright green raspberry leaves. And I was surprised. They were just like me, the way they hung to themselves until the good, thick ongoings of July. I always thought the fruits were so silly. They hid under big bright leaves but couldn't resist growing so good and so ripe and so heavy they would bend the whole plant to give themselves away. Raspberry juice tasted just like me. It was the first time I had ever experienced watching myself bloom in real time. I wrote that about the day that I first began to journal which was in the summer that I was 13 turning 14 and realizing the earth was everywhere. I went inside myself and felt found. The, touch, the first touch of my own earth humming hello under my bare toes. In my chest cavity, I had a garden space. How wonderful. This makes sense, I thought. The earth is everywhere. So, that summer, I picked up a notebook and I started a journal and named that journal Thessalina. And naming it made me feel like I was writing to a friend. So even the process of private self-archival was my being in relationship with myself, was my being in communion with my highest self, then imagined as the best friend that I wanted to be, that I was becoming by treating myself like it. And I was in communion with the self that rose up out of the mountains of Colorado. I do not consider myself distinct or separate from the land. I am foundationally from the mountains. In creating a distinction between myself and the spaces that raised me, I am making the idea of human too small. I am just as much of the land as the mountains are. My body mimics their geography. Even the want to become communized with myself came to me while I was watching the earth move slowly each day. 
What I don't say in that essay is that the reason I reach inside myself and pull out bright green, red raspberry leaves is because that house was covered in them. Raspberry had been allowed to grow unmitigated in the backyard for years, for decades maybe. And every July, every July, I would look at them and they would look at me and we would find each other. My cultivating a relationship with myself is the beginning of personal and lineage rematriation, the grand return to land. In belonging to the land, I belong to myself, and the same is true backwards. Self-love was most resonant with me among pine trees. The first place I felt completion as a child was understanding that trees are bigger than me and always will be. I loved myself in proximity to what I am and always am, fleeting. Further places of exploration from this section include, how do I love myself and my land when I am displaced both personally and generationally? What does that iteration of self-love look like? Also, one day we will return to this text and paste it right up against Duronia Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, and we will discuss eroticism in nature as a recurring phenomena in Black women, but Today we're closing shop, so I want to leave you with the idea that self-love never really exists independently for me. To love myself is to love my mother, is to love my friend, is to love out farther than what I could have previously thought and deeper than I knew that my chest could get. The body is Mama Earth herself walking on our own two feet. There is no love that exists in isolation. To love is to commune. I make this podcast to think about how good it is that I can share with you the places of my most favorite blooms, even if they are fragile. Love studies always cost you a coin, an afternoon, a slice of sane thought. I'm willing to be vulnerable for the chance to love myself in ways I didn't know possible. So I'm going to be here every week thinking and writing. Self-love was never really singular, and that's something worth exploring to me. Thank you. Until next time. I hope the work of your day passes through your hands with ease. Isma to Gwendolyn. Next in the episodes of The Study of Self is Love of My Physical Being. <laughs> <laughs>